in between services, I had a young boy come up to me, big smile on his face, uh, so excited as young boys can be, and Pastor Jakes, Pastor Jakes, yesterday was the greatest day of my life. Man, that's pretty exciting, Will. I said, was it your birthday? No. Are you an Alabama fan? No. A Yankee fan? No. I said, oh, Will, what is it? Why, why was yesterday the greatest day of your life? And I'm waiting for it. You know, I'm thinking, what is it going to be? He said, the weather was like so cool. It was awesome. Like, what do you ask for for Christmas? You know, I mean, I want that kid, you know. The best day in his life is a day that's not too hot. You know, I mean, wow. That's a kid easy to please. The greatest day of his life. What would it take for today to be the greatest day of your life? I mean, what would it take for today to be the day that you could leave here saying, man, is my life good? Is this not great? Could it be that God would say, I want to give you my love. I want to give you my perfect love, uh, my sacrificial love. Would it be enough for today to be the day that you say is a great day? Because the God who is ridiculously loves you. And we know he does because he loves you so much that his son Jesus would come and rescue you. Would it be enough? Would you be able to say that today's the greatest day if Jesus said, I want to give you my joy. My joy as the son of God, my joy as the obedient child, my joy as the man of sorrows, I want to give you my joy so that your joy could be complete. Would we leave here like young Will and big smiles on our face to say we leave here because we have peace. We have peace, not just, not just a worldly peace, but we have a, a divine peace that, that Jesus himself has given us peace. The one that Isaiah said would come, the one that was called the Prince of Peace, would it be enough? Let me ask you, what's missing in your life that is elusive with peace? What turmoil reigns outside your world or maybe reigns inside your world? As we study today, again, the fruit of the Spirit, we get to peace. And these, these first three fruit of the Spirit are just amazing because uh, they're dealing with our relationship with God. And each one, uh, God says that He gives us, He gives us His love so we can love others. He gives us His joy so that we can, yeah, the world can see His joy through us. He says to us, right, I'm going to give you my peace. An amazing peace so the world can see what it looks like to have peace with God. If that's the reality, we all should leave here like will and say today is a great day because God is with us. Let's pray and ask God to show us this peace this morning. Father God, we thank you that we can gather on this glorious morning. And it's true that something about a thermometer being a little lower, that uh, we do feel like uh, life's a little easier. God, thank you for a young boy that's just filled with hope and joy that just has said it's the greatest day because it's a day you made. God, I pray that God, you would come with such power through the preaching of your word that, that, Lord, that you today would show us Jesus. Show us your love through, through his 
blood and through his sacrifice on the cross. God, show us his joy, the joy that included laying down his life so that we could be rescued. God, give us his peace, a peace that passes understanding. God, would you open up our ears so that we could hear that you love us and that you offer us peace. God, would you take our hearts and and break them if you must so that they could be filled with your peace. God, would you cause us to walk out of here with with shoes fitted for the gospel of peace so that we can walk in your love. We could walk in your peace. We can walk in a manner worthy of this great gospel of Jesus Christ. God, the things that are said that are merely my opinion are wrong, may those things fall away. But the things that are said that are true and contain the good news of Jesus, the Prince of Peace, would you use those things to make us more like Jesus? And it's his name we pray. Amen. Amazingly, uh, Jesus in the Gospel of John, and we just read it in John uh, 14, verse 27, he says this, he says, peace I leave with you. And again, it's a peace that he has secured for us and he leaves with us, but he goes on to say even more. He says, my peace I give to you. The peace of God, the peace of the only begotten son, the eternal peace that Jesus can, can have as God's obedient son. He says, that peace, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to you. And listen, I'm not going to give it the way the world gives it. I'm going to give it to you. So let not your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. So the questions that immediately percolate up for us is, you know, what kind of peace did Jesus live, leave for us? What kind of peace did Jesus give? Again, let's don't forget, this is a man of sorrows. I mean, this is a man that hung on a cross. I mean, what kind of peace really is it? And for us to really understand this peace, we have to look at the flip side and say, well, Jesus is talking about a world peace. Uh, what kind of peace does the world give? I tell you, I got to tell you the truth. I've always been intrigued with advertising. If this preacher gig doesn't work out, I'd probably try to pursue something in advertising. And some of you hate commercials. Uh, I remember my father-in-law when he was alive, he always hit that mute button for commercials. But I got to tell you, I kind of like them. Uh, I'm a kind of an advertising geek and love to see, you know, what they're peddling and what they're selling. And I think if we look at the world's advertising, we're going to probably find what their definition of peace is. What is the peace that the world provides? Let's go to Corona beer. Corona, amazing commercials. Uh, what they, uh, typical commercial that it's on right now, uh, it shows uh, three people uh, sitting on an absolutely sun-soaked beach. Beautiful waves are rolling in. Uh, there's four chairs, three people there. They've cracked open a, call, a cold Corona. I uh, have a lime there. And that is the peace of the world. And right in front of them, people are busily, hurriedly running right in front of them. And you could tell that there was anything but peace with the people that were walking in front of them. I mean, they're, they're experiencing all the cares of the world, all the burdens of the world. And then finally, one of the girls uh, peels out from the crowd and, and she comes and she grabs a Corona and she sits in the empty chair and poof, transformed. Uh, she's found her beach. Uh, she has found her peace. And it's amazing, as the scene kind of shifts, you realize they're not even on the beach. But they have found a beverage 
that will provide them peace. In the midst of the storm, they found a beverage that will say, let us kind of numb the pain at least for a little bit. Let us, let us give you a little bit of the peace of the world. Is that what it has? What is, how does Jesus' peace compare to that? What an amazing contrast. Jesus says that he is going to give us his peace. The peace of the obedient son. The peace that comes from the Lamb of God who lays down his life for sinners like us. It's just his peace. It's his peace that passes understanding. It's his peace that even rules and reigns, listen, over our circumstances. It's his peace that can reach down right now into your broken, tumultuous life and bring calm in the midst of the storm. It's above understanding. Seems like what Corona offers is just a numbing from understanding. But Jesus says, no, the peace that I'm going to give you, it's, it's even, it exceeds understanding. It exceeds your circumstances. It exceeds all that is happening in the world. Not only that, if you look along in the bulletin with me, you're going to see three key components about the peace that Jesus offers us. Three things that he gives us, this peace that can reign in our hearts through a relationship with him. Amazingly, it's these three things. One, it's peace with God. The, the peace that Jesus gives us. Jesus gives us peace with a, with a holy God, amazingly, so that we can have a, a right relationship with God. But it's more than just that. It's more than just this relationship with God, although that's ultimate and primary. Jesus is peace that he gives us. He's our peace in a way that it's a relationship. It's a vertical relationship with one another. This peace uh, of Jesus is that we can have peace with, with others. Peace with your brothers and sisters next to you. And thirdly, and maybe the one that we often long for the most, he gives us peace within ourselves. This peace of God that passes understanding gives us peace within our own skin. Well, what, what is the definition of peace? I mean, again, uh, we look at this word and, and Scripture's definition of peace is really different than what a typical American will, will understand with peace. I mean, the Greek word is eirene. Uh, it's where we get the uh, female name Irene. Um, this, this word uh, peace, uh, uh, also in the Hebrew, it's a shalom. It's a much fuller, much richer than we typically understand in the English of peace. And although I didn't write it for you, I'm going to encourage you for your community groups, you want to write this definition because the peace of the Bible is going to have three components to it that we must understand. And here they are. This peace is, first one is absent of conflict. The world kind of typically thinks that of peace, absent of conflict, even the corona. It's absent of that crazy world that's going on in there. The peace of God is an absence of conflict, first and foremost with God. Secondly, it's this, this peace is a reestablishment of order. If your life and my life had a sign on it, wouldn't it read out of order? I mean, sin has so broken us is that our lives are out of order. Our world is out of order. The whole world would have a, a sign that says out of order. Well, well, God saw that the world was placed out of order because of our rebellion and sin. And that's why Jesus came. He came to reestablish order in the midst of the chaos that, that, God has, uh, that, that sin has allowed to come in this world. So it's a reestablishment of order, the order of the relationship we have with God and the order that we have with one another. It's the allowing us to have even order in our own lives that will produce peace, the absence of conflict, the reestablishment of order. And then thirdly, amazing, this, this word peace uh, in the Bible, it's the opening of paradise. 
When God talks about giving us his peace, he says that the paradise will be open and, and there will be no more tears and there'll be no more sorrow and that we're going to have a relationship with him. And this, this paradise, we're not fully there yet. I mean, this paradise is still to come when we see Jesus face to face. And you know what's going to happen when we see him face to face? We're going to be like him. And then there'll be perfect peace that reigns. But here's what Jesus is saying through the word peace. He says it's a peace that we could taste now. I mean, in the midst of all the things that are happening in your life, in your home, in your job, in the economy, it's a peace, a true peace of God that, that, that tastes like paradise even now and causes us to long for more. That's the definition of, of, of peace that we can have when Jesus talks about. It's a peace of Jesus. It's, it's a peace from the wrath of God. It's a peace from the hostility with one another. And it's a peace of the anxiety with ourselves. Okay, let's look at the first point. It's this, the peace with God. The peace that we can have with God is found in Christ Jesus. Amazingly, Romans 5.1 unpacks this for us. If you want to look at, turn to Romans 5, um, I'm going to read verse 1. It says this, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And this word justified by faith, uh, really, it's kind of a christian term, a religious term. Let's unpack that a little bit. This is basically saying this. It says, therefore, in Christ Jesus, we, sinners like us, uh, sinners who have been broken from the beginning, sinners who think the wrong thing, say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, sinners like us can be declared not guilty in God's eyes. Now, let's don't forget, God's holy. God's without sin. I mean, God knows the truth about us. He knows the truth about our thoughts. He knows the truth about the things we said to our family on the way in. So this amazing passage says that in Christ Jesus, we can be declared not guilty. We could be declared that we have peace with God, that our relationship with God is satisfied. So here's the deal. Jesus has negotiated for us all that God, the Father, has required for us to have peace with him. Jesus accepted the terms. He fulfilled the conditions for peace. And what were those conditions? Well, because God's holy and because God is without sin, he has a, his character demands that he has a wrath and anger towards sin. Oftentimes we think of God and think that maybe God just kind of winks at sin and says it's not that big a deal. God can't do that. For God to be God and God to be holy, we must know that his holiness has a holy wrath against sin. And therefore, two things have had to happen for God's wrath to be appeased. The first one is this. Somebody had to live an obedient, holy life. Somebody had to fulfill God's requirements, his demands. God didn't give them to us just randomly. It revealed his character. So what happened? In the fullness of time, Jesus came born of a, of a woman, of, of a virgin. He came under the law, but he came to fulfill the law. Listen, hang with me here. This is really good stuff. Jesus came to do everything that we were supposed to do, but failed to do. Jesus came to perfectly fulfill the requirements of God. Why? So that we could earn God's blessing and favor. But Jesus did more. Jesus did more. He, he not only earned God's favor, Jesus appeased God's wrath. 
He became that, that spotless sacrifice for us on the cross. Uh, he, he absorbed, it says in the scripture, he absorbed in his body, in his body, the wrath of God. If you look at Romans 5, 9, it says, uh, through the shedding of his blood, through the brokenness of his body, he absorbed God's wrath. Why? So that we could have peace with God. Listen, here's the bottom line. You are either here to get day, you either have peace with God or you don't. I mean, right this very moment, you either have peace with a holy God or you don't. Well, how do we know if we have it if we don't? It says right in here, if we have placed by God's grace our faith in Christ Jesus and the one who fulfilled God's law, the one who absorbed God's wrath, if we have a relationship with God in Christ Jesus, ready for this? We have his peace. We have it. We are justified by Christ Jesus. Here's what this means. You're not justified by what you do. You can't earn God's peace. You can't lose God's peace by what you do. What you do when it comes to your relationship with God and having his peace isn't, doesn't matter. Can you believe that? Listen, this means this. When you mess up and you will, and when you sin and you will, and Satan tempts you to sin, and what does he, he do? As soon as he t- tempts you to sin, then he accuses you. He says, you're a loser. You're broken. I can't believe you're still doing this. You call yourself a Christian. How could you do this? The habitual sin. When will you get over it? You know what I'm talking about. Your peace with God does not depend on what you do. It depends on what Jesus has already done. That's why he says, it is finished. Isn't that amazing reality? Not only that, it's this. Our peace with God does not depend on our feelings. I mean, there's days that I sit in God's presence, mostly in my study, and I'm, I'm in God's word, and man, do I feel in love with God, and man, do I feel God's love, and man, his peace is almost, it's, it's like you could touch it, it's tangible. But I'm sure my life's like yours. There's times where I just feel like he's a million miles away. Where are you? Here's the beautiful thing that Jesus says. Listen, the peace that I'm going to give to you is not going to be circumstantial. It's not going to be about what's happening to you. Listen, it's not even going to be about your actions. It's not going to be about your feelings. The peace that I'm going to give to you is in the beauty and the sacrifice of my son. And it's an eternal peace. And you'll never lose it. Isn't that amazing? I mean, you may feel like you have, but the reality of God is this. You will never lose it in Christ Jesus. Corona says this. Corona says, find your beach and you'll find your peace. But God's word says this. Find Jesus. By God's grace, if you find Jesus, you find God's peace. There's a bumper sticker. You've probably seen it. It's a little bit hokey, but man, does it sum it up pretty good. It says this, no Jesus, K-N-O-W, no Jesus, no peace, K-N-O-W. Then underneath, no Jesus, N-O, no peace. And that's the reality. I mean, it's, this is the bedrock. I mean, you might be here and your life might be tumultuous and you want to get things in right order and proper alignment. It has to start here. And the amazing reality is it's not about what you do. It's about who you believe in. Do you have peace with God or don't you? Do you have peace with God or don't you? I got to tell you, um, the amazing reality of this is this. God would have to change. God would have to change for us to lose our peace with him. 
the peace we have in Christ Jesus if we're to lose it. And he's never going to change. He's never going to change. He's never going to change his mind. And the reality is, is our lives sometimes just scream against peace. But Jesus came and says, I'm going to fully secure it. Listen, there's going to be an absence of conflict now. The conflict that your life and my life deserve with a holy God, Jesus bore it on the cross. There's going to be an absence of conflict. We now have union with the Father. Amazing. It's amazing what he has done for us. There's going to be a reestablishment of order. You're my beloved son now in Christ Jesus. My beloved daughter, I love you. I'll never let you go. There's a reestablishment of order. And there's an opening of paradise. We know that God is for us and he will bring us home someday. But the amazing thing we see about these fruit, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, and peace, all of them really. He says this, I'm gonna love you. I'm gonna love you so ridiculously. I'm gonna love you in a way that's gonna open up my life for you. I'm gonna love you so why you could fill the earth with, this, with my love. I want the world to be filled with my love through you. Jesus says, I'm gonna give you my joy. I'm gonna give you my joy. It's gonna make you complete. Why? Because I wanna fill the earth with my joy through you. And Jesus says, I'm gonna come and I'm gonna be your peace. And I'm gonna give you my peace, not as the world gives it. I'm gonna give it to lasting eternal peace. Why? So the world can have my peace through you. Jesus always gives us this fruit so we can demonstrate the fruit of the spirit. That's why he says on the Sermon on the Mount, he's preaching on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, uh, verse 9. He says this, blessed, blessed are you who are peacemakers. And I love what it says about peacemakers. He says this, why? Because if you're a peacemaker, you're a son of God. Why? Because if you're a peacemaker, because God has come and he's made peace with you through Christ Jesus, through his blood and righteousness. Why? So that now we can be peacemakers. That is our calling. We have peace with God so we can have peace with one another. A few years ago, we studied through the book of Ephesians. In the book of Ephesians 1.10, it tells us, is what is God's purpose of the world? What, what does God want to do with heaven and earth? And it says this, that God's mysterious will is that in Christ Jesus, he wants to unite all things in heaven and earth in Christ Jesus. It's kind of funny. I thought about that passage this week. I thought about that in Christ Jesus, he wants heaven and earth to be united. And I thought of a beauty pageant. What do they always respond at Miss America? What's your hope of the world? World peace. World peace. You think, oh, come on. Really? World peace. But when you look at God's world, word, you say, God, what's your goal for the world? What's your goal for heaven and earth? And he says, world peace. I want to unite everything on heaven and earth through Christ Jesus. He amazingly says, I want to make them all one. Jesus is our peace so that we can have peace, not just with God vertically, but also peace with one another horizontally. If you have your Bibles, look at Ephesians 2. This is, again, now we're talking about the peace we can have with one another. Ephesians 2, verse 14 says, Jesus says, for he himself, Jesus, he is our peace. Jesus is our peace who has made us both one, both Jew, Gentile, male, female. He's made us one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of the commandments. How? By keeping them and the ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two and so making peace. 
and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, therefore killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Jesus says that he has come to establish peace. He came to pursue peace so that you and I now, right now, could leave here and say, this is the greatest day. Not because I'm going to go have a couple Coronas, because I have peace with God. This is a great day because what Jesus has done in his flesh is allowed us to have peace and oneness with one another. And now he says, because I have come and pursued peace, now we are to show that fruit and pursue peace as well. Romans 14, 19 says this. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbringing. God says, if you're my child and I love you and I've cleansed you and I've I've filled you with the spirit and now you have peace with the father. Now you are to be a peacemaker. Go pursue it. Go seek the, go seek the peace of the city. Go seek the peace of your marriage. Go seek the peace in your household. Go seek the peace where you, where you go to school and where you work. Romans 12, 16 through 18 says this, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what, you, what is honorable in the sight of all. Now listen, listen, lean into this one. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceable with all. Did you hear that? As far as it depends on you, we are to be initiators of peace. This is the reality. If you're a child of God, this is the reality. As much as it depends on you, make peace with everybody. Some of us are saying, well, wait a minute. They have to apologize first. Well, wait a minute. The people offended me. They got to get some things right first. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. There's got to be some amends here. I mean, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm the one who's supposed to be pursuing peace. I'm the one as far as it's up to me. Oftentimes we live our lives waiting for others to initiate, especially when they've done us wrong. Waiting for others to be the initiators. And sometimes in our own pride and our arrogance and say, I'm not going to do it. I'm the one who's sitting in the right. Let's look at this. What if God took that attitude? What if God's attitude for us was, I'm going to wait and see. I'm going to wait till they move toward me. I'm going to wait until they get their life cleaned up. I'm going to wait until they apologize. I'm going to wait. Listen, the reality is, is God was the initiator always with grace and mercy. He initiated with sinners like us who had no hope of ever reaching out to him. So therefore, we're just to, to uh, show his love to others by the way we initiate, by the way we pursue peace. Who is God calling you right now to write a letter to this week? Who do you got to go call? I mean, who in your life do you have to pursue peace with? Again, there could be a whole lot of buts, but this, but that, but this. But God's love is such that he says, listen, I've come to give you my peace and my peace is a peacemaker. You'd initiate And lastly is the peace that we are to have with ourselves. This amazing peace that Jesus gives us is an internal peace with ourselves. Two friends of mine this week, two, told me they're moving to California. Two friends that think that peace is in California. Maybe they're still following the 60s, I don't know. And I I said to them, I said, you know what? I mean, California is a great place and I understand it's certainly beautiful and, and maybe that's where God wants you to go. But I had a conversation with a friend of mine that's, that's hurting. His life is, has, has had habitual issues. And he just said, I'm, I'm going to California. 
I just said, you're not going to find your peace in California. Your peace is not going to come with a change of venue. It doesn't matter if you're here or there. Your problems are going to go with you. Your peace has got to come from here. It's got to come from the inside. Jesus says this, I have said these things to you. Listen, listen to John 16, 33, that in me you may have peace. Listen, listen, listen. You, you, you got to hear this. I mean, this is unbelievable. Lean forward to this. In the world, you will have tribulation. But take heart, I've overcome the world. I mean, this is, this is amazing to me. Jesus says, hey, I'm going to give you my peace, and my peace is going to be an amazing peace. But by the way, in the midst of my peace, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have issues. In the midst of the troubled world, you will have peace with me. I love the reality as I, as I study this to say, God, in this world, you'll have tribulation. And I realize is that Jesus's peace, listen, Jesus's peace doesn't exempt us from the troubles of the world. Jesus's peace doesn't exempt us from the tribulations of the world. And I started to realize, listen, I started to realize is that, that it's the tribulation of the world. It's the trouble of the world that God uses as a backdrop to show the gloriness of his peace. Did you get that? I mean, it's the tumultuous world. It's the tribulation of the world that God chooses to use as a canvas to paint our lives upon, to show us the peace of Christ in the midst of the tumultuous world. It's it's to show us the contrast. How in the world can you have peace now? I had a meeting with one of our beloved elders, Steve Hatcher. I got permission to tell this story. And, and peace is, uh, Steve is struggling through uh, cancer and chemo and radiation. And, and, and just in that battle, he's doing great. And, and in the middle of the meeting, I, toward the end, I said, Hey, Steve, will you, will you mind staying for a few more minutes uh, after the meeting's over? And he maybe thought maybe I had to ask him something about the meeting and something about things we were talking about. But it was none of that. Because I know Steve and I'm reading his emails and I'm praying for him. And I know that it's in the midst of the tribulation. It's in the midst of the trouble that Jesus shows up so amazingly clear when he's so with us and his peace that passes understanding. And you want to know why I asked to talk to Steve? I wanted to be close to that. I just wanted to rub up against that again and just be reminded as I was through our own troubles and tribulations of how amazing it is when Jesus shows up in the midst of that. I said, Steve, just to share with me what Jesus is doing. And he, he started talking about a, a story he had with one of his partners. And he says he was meeting with a partner and the partner eventually says, Steve, how are you doing it? How are you doing it? I mean, how are you just doing life in the midst of all this tumultuous craziness that's going on? He said, I opened up my mouth and I just started talking. Because I'm not even quite sure I said it. It was just pouring out of me. It was just pouring out of me of just the hope that he had in Christ Jesus. The peace that he had in the midst of the storm. And he just, it's just to realize this, this reality is that Jesus says, the peace that I give you, it's going to include a tumultuous world. I, I, sometimes I'm going to quiet the world. Sometimes I'm not. But the reality is, in the midst of all that, you're going to see me. Because I'm the Prince of Peace and I'm Emmanuel and I'm God with you. And that peace will give you amazing peace over all things. It passes it passes understanding. What an amazing story. What does the world offer us? The world offers us maybe a cold corona that says, really, a tranquil beach will be yours. 
Jesus doesn't offer us a tranquil beach, folks. Sometimes he calls us to storms. In each one of the Gospels, uh, it tells a story of Jesus uh, who was in a boat, and uh, the boat was in the midst of an amazing storm. Matter of fact, several boats were out on the water that day. And it was such a bad storm that the fishermen were feared for their life. Now listen, if you're in a boat and the fishermen are feared for their life, not a good storm, right? I mean, if someone doesn't know what they're doing in a boat and they get there and they're all nervous, that's one thing. But I mean, these, these, these are people that lived on the sea. I mean, these people that knew the Sea of Galilee. And so in the midst of the storm, the storm is raging. And where do you find Jesus in the storm? I love it. Mark 4, uh, 35 through 41 tells us this story. Jesus is up front of the boat and he's found a really nice soft cushion and he's curled up and he's out. He's fast asleep. I mean, he's just able to sleep in the midst of the storm. Are you? He's able to sleep in the midst of the storm. So much amazing peace that he has. And so his disciples are freaking out. I mean, they're like, we're going to drown. So they wake him up. They wake Jesus up. Wake up. Jesus, wake up. And here's what they say to him. Don't you care that we're dying? Don't you even care? I mean, there you are sleeping on a cushion. We're dying here. How many of you have pointed to Jesus and said, don't you even care? Don't you even care what's going on in my life? Don't you even care that I'm perishing? Oh, he cares. Oh, he knows. And this is the one that's going to care enough to shed his blood. How oh, does he care? He gets up and he, he, he says to the waves and he says to the wind, Hey, Rene, peace. Be still. And it was. But I get from the story this. Sometimes Jesus is going to calm the storm. Sometimes he's not. But what we do know is this. He'll always ride through the storm with us. He's Emmanuel, God with us. He's the Prince of Peace. He's not asleep at the wheel, I promise you. And, and, and somehow in his mysterious way, he wants us sometimes to go through storms, to reveal his peace to us. And oftentimes the ship is rocking and waving in our life and we're screaming out, don't you care about me, Jesus? Don't you know what's going on here? He's saying, my peace, my peace I want to give you. I miss him. Sometimes he'll stand up and say, hush. And if your life right now is going through a storm, I just hope to God that today's the day he stands up and says, Irene, peace. But if not, If not, God has given you his peace with God. God has given you his peace with one another. God has given you his presence. And here's what he says. I have overcome the world. I don't know what's tossing your life. I don't know what's about ready to sink you. I I don't know what's pouring waves into your life right now. But I do know this. God reigns over it. Jesus says, I've overcome the world. I mean, I get goosebumps telling you this. The reality is, is that he says, in the midst of it, you're going to have my, my, my peace. But I've overcome it. Is it your finances? Is it your marriage? Is it a kid? Is it a habitual sin? What's raging? God says, I want to give you my peace. This peace passes understanding. He gives us this formula for peace, which passes understanding. He says that, uh, be anxious about nothing. Listen, do not be anxious about anything in uh, Philippians 4, 6. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, make your requests known to God. 
And the peace of God, which passes understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. He says, I don't want you to be anxious about anything in life. I am with you. I am for you. I am the Prince of Peace. I've overcome it all. So what do we do? We pray. We communion with God. What's, what's the answer? What's the formula? We go and we pray. We lay our supplications down at his feet. I mean, maybe some of you just need to go home right now and say, God, I'm crying out to you in the storm. I'm supplicating. I'm, I'm, I'm urgently pleading with you. Take this away. But don't forget that third component, that third prescription. With thanksgiving. I'm for you. I love you. I've overcome the world. I'm with you. I'll never let you go. Therefore, we have the peace that passes understanding. Colossians 3.5 says, May the peace of Christ rule your heart, not your anxieties, not your fear, not your current situation. May the reality that Jesus is your peace rule in every fiber of our being that wants to rage out of control. He says, put this peace on your feet. The, peace, the world will offer you peace. Crack open a corona. Your world's problems will will disappear temporarily. Jesus offers you eternal, lasting peace. Not cracking open a beer, but by breaking open his body. Breaking open his body to absorb God's wrath, to shed his blood so that we could be cleansed, we could be healed, and we could be his. That is peace of God. We're going to have communion uh, in a few moments. We're going to come and partake of the elements. Uh, Let me remind you, this broken bread is a reminder of the broken body of Jesus absorbing the wrath of God so we can have peace. This, This cup is a representation of his blood. But before we have communion, we're going to pass the peace to one another. Why? Because you're peacemakers. If you are in Christ Jesus, you are to initiate peace as we do every worship. So to prepare your heart, Would you please be a peacemaker to one another and extend the peace of Christ? Let me first pray. Let's pray. Hold on, you're ready to go. Let me pray. Father God, thank you for the amazing peace that we can have in Christ Jesus. It's so much better than what the world can offer. And God, in my flesh, I'm just so tempted. Those commercials suck me right in. And God, I'd want anything for the temporary just turn the page of what I'm seeing. But God, you've given us your peace in Christ Jesus, a true and lasting peace. With you, you've removed the conflict. You've reestablished the right order. And God, you've opened up paradise. We can have peace with God. We can have peace with one another in Christ Jesus. We can even have peace with ourselves. Because we know that our captain, Jesus, he's in the storm with us. At any moment, he could just yell out peace and it's going to happen. But until then, we know he'll never leave us nor forsake us. God, you have established peace so we could be peacemakers. You feed us with this meal to remind us and come with power and do that today, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. May the peace of Christ be with you. Please greet one another.